Thank you for tuning into Weathering the Storm podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. That's scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, our goal is to help us weather the storms of life by looking to and sustaining an unwavering faith in God. Here is your host, Drew Suttles. Hello and welcome to Weathering the Storm, a podcast where we strive to weather the storms of life by placing and sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles. I welcome you back. We are now in Season 2 of Weathering the Storm on the Scattered Abroad Network, and today we are recording Episode 10. Uh, It's hard to believe we're already 10 episodes in uh, to this second season, but I have really enjoyed the study. I've enjoyed recording these, and I hope and pray that these episodes have been helpful to you, specifically that they've helped you to weather the storms that you may be facing in your life at this time. So far, we have discussed how we can weather the storm with focus, and then getting into a, a study on the fruit of the Spirit, we, we noticed in Galatians five twenty two and 23 that we are to be filled with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit being added to our life, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, And then the last one that is mentioned in the list, and the one that we want to discuss today as we bring this series to a close, is that we are to weather the storm with self-control. Before we dive into this study, I do want to remind you uh, to go and to check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, look uh, look for the Scattered Abroad Network, and we hope that you will pray for this effort. Uh, We're striving to reach as many souls as possible with the gospel, we're trying to encourage people, uh, specifically on this podcast, to encourage folks who are going through a difficult time to be able to weather the storm and to equip uh, everyone with the uh, ability to do so. And of course, we think about the Word of God uh, fully equipping us into every good work, Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. And so that's where we want to turn. We want to turn to God, turn to His Word, find the strength and find the direction that we need uh, to get through difficult times. But certainly, I want to encourage you to listen to all of the podcasts on the Scattered Abroad Network. Uh, I appreciate all of them, and it's great to have content coming out every single day. And so, again, I, I hope and pray that you will go and, and check out the network, uh, share it with others. And certainly, uh, we, we pray that, that it will be a blessing to your life as it is to, to our lives. So let's get into our study today as we consider what it means and why it's important to weather the storm with self-control. I want to begin by defining uh, this word. Self-control is defined as the trait of resolutely controlling one's own desires, which would produce actions, especially sensual desires. So in thinking of that definition, it's the ability to withhold yourself from giving in to something you know is wrong. That, that would be a kind of my, my way of defining self-control. It's knowing that I've got to abstain from that, I've got to fight from it, and I'm going to have the, the ability to turn away from it, the ability to say no to it. This word, self-control, is found nine times in eight verses as we come to the New Testament. And I want to go through them with you. The first one is Acts twenty four twenty five. This is the Apostle Paul before King Felix. And he says, he's, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid, and he said, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Uh, I hope and pray that that convenient time came. 
Uh, but certainly we, we teach from that, and, and rightfully so, I believe. Uh, don't wait for you know that convenient time, because it may never come. If you know what to do, do it right then and there. But I find it interesting that the three things that sum up what Paul preached to him was righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. You know, striving to do what is right. That's righteousness. As John says, he who practices righteousness is righteous. But then you think about self-control in view of the judgment to come. And he shows the importance then of having that trait. Of course, the next time we find it is Galatians 5.23 here in, in this list. And it is the final one in the list. It begins with love and it ends with self-control. Then we have 1 Timothy 2.15. This is a reference to women, saying, Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Did you notice how he pieced that together? Faith, love, and holiness. How can you have all of these things together? You've got to do so with self-control. In Titus chapter 1, we have the qualifications of elders. In verse 8, it says they are to be hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled. Again, Paul will put those things together, holiness and self-control. And then we find in 2 Peter 1.6, this is in the midst of the Christian graces that we're going to allude to later on as well. Uh, when you think about Peter saying, add to your faith or supply to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge, and he goes through all these things, and then after knowledge he says, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness. So again, you see the importance of self-control in the life of one who is striving to live a holy and righteous life before God. It's also interesting that when the other three times that you find the word self-control, it's used in a negative sense. It's used as a warning. For example, 1 Corinthians 7, 5. This is in reference to marriage. It says, Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again. Notice, so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. A few verses later, 1 Corinthians 7, 9, it says, But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. It's better to marry than to burn with passion. So if they could not exercise self-control, then they would be burning with passion or burning in their lust. So there we see, it used as a warning. And then in 2 Timothy 3.3, 3, Paul speaks of those who are unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, notice, without self-control. So again, we see how this word is used in a positive sense, but also a negative way, a warning, to show the importance of practicing self-control. You know, self-control is something that is very, very difficult to apply to our lives. And I want to use this from a physical standpoint for a moment. As you think about dieting and exercise, it requires a ton of discipline and strong will. I grew up playing ball. I played every sport you can think of. You know, baseball, football, basketball. I wrestled. I played tennis. I was always playing something. I was always around the game. And with that came, you know, constant exercise. And I was trying to eat you know, good, very thankful for my, my family and what they provided for me uh, and, and, and tried to carry that all the way through high school. And then when I, I left high school and went to college, I was privileged to play baseball at Freed Harbin University up in West Tennessee, 
played there for four years, and the the rigorous uh, dieting and exercise in college was was a lot more extreme than high school. Uh, the the kind of running that we did, the way that we had to eat, and and I just I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> of course, going through that, I didn't didn't enjoy every second of it, but it helped me to be disciplined. It helped me to learn how to be physically disciplined, but also mentally. But you know what's difficult is when I hung up my cleats. What what was tough was when I stopped playing ball, and you know got married, went off to preaching school for two years. And now I'm not on the field. I'm not in the weight room. Nobody's, you know, making me get up and go. And with that, it became very, very difficult to stay on track with my diet and with exercise. And so I am now in the process of trying to do much, much better than I have been over this past few years, trying to get back on track uh, one step at a time. But I'm sharing this with you because, listen, it's, it's not easy. And anybody who's listening to this and you've tried a diet or exercise or maybe Maybe at one point you were doing that and you stopped for a little bit. It takes a lot, a lot of self-control and discipline uh, to get back on track and to stick with it. So from a physical standpoint, that is necessary. But think about that from a spiritual standpoint. Self-control is absolutely essential. And as we think about the context of weathering the storms of life, we've got to be able to control ourselves so we can get through them. Every time you can get through a storm, it makes you stronger. And every battle that you win draws you one step closer to ultimate victory. The way that you can ensure that victory is to practice self-control, to practice discipline, and not allow anything to take your eyes off the goal. Take your eyes off the, the prize that's before you, and that is, of course, heaven. I'd like to share with you some examples from Scripture of individuals who practiced self-control. The first one that comes to mind is Paul. And we've already noticed that just about every time uh, it's mentioned in the New Testament, Paul's behind it, whether he's uh, using that when he was preaching to Felix or he was writing it uh, to to brethren around uh, the the world at that time. But I want you to notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 25 through 27, very interesting language, really going along with our example of being an athlete, of being a ball player. And I would like to read this from the ESV. I like the way that this is worded. I think it's pretty helpful, as, again, as we think about uh, this example of, of being in ath- athletics and the discipline of self-control that's needed. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. Paul says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath or crown but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What Paul is saying there is, listen, I'm in a race. You know, I'm in a fight. I'm in this, this battle. And I have to make sure that I'm exercising self-control in all things. I don't run aimlessly. I don't run without a purpose. There's a purpose behind what I'm doing. There's a goal that I have. There's a prize that I'm striving to obtain. He said, so I discipline my body and I keep it under control. I practice self-control. I'm going to preach what I practice and practice what I preach. Because he understood if he didn't practice self-control, and if he wasn't, how could he teach others to do that? And that is a a very powerful lesson, one that, that I'd certainly need to hear. And maybe you do as well. 
that if we're going to teach others, if I'm going to be able to do that, then I've got to practice self-control myself. So here Paul serves as a great example of that, and we know that he practiced what he preached because of what we find in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. through 8. You know, Because he was able to practice self-control, he can make with confidence the statement, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. How was Paul able to do that? Yes, with God's blessing. Yes, with God's providential care. But certainly because of his self-control that he had to practice. The next example is that of Peter. You know, Peter was very impulsive. He, he was the one that always kind of spoke up for the group. He was the spokesman of the disciples, if you will. Uh, you think about Peter being the first one out of the boat. You think about Peter taking Jesus and trying to rebuke him when Jesus uh, predicted his death and resurrection. Peter was one that, that was uh, very human, and we shared that in our last season, uh, talking about how we can weather the storm like Peter did. But I think about Peter as one who had to learn to practice self-control. I think about Jesus telling him, when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. And I believe that part of the conversion process for him to be truly converted, to be truly strong for the Lord, he had to practice that self-control. He had to fight off those impulses uh, to do the things that, that he did. And when we think about what Peter wrote, it shows his ability to practice self-control, but also what he encourages us to do. In 1 Peter 1 and verse 13, he said, Gird up the lowlands of your mind and be sober. Uh, that language there is interesting. Gird up the lowlands. You think about that in the first century context with the, the long flowing robe that they would have worn. It's the idea of, of picking it up a little bit and tying it uh, around your waist so you could run freely. He says, gird up the lowlands, but he says, of your mind. And if we're going to practice self-control, that's where it begins. It begins in the mind. He says, you gird up the lowlands of your mind and you be sober-minded. In 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, he said, You be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary the devil is walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, therefore, steadfast in the faith. And that's going to require great self-control. Again, we go back to the definition of this. It's being able to fight off impulses, fight off uh, the temptation that surrounds you. And that's exactly what Peter's talking about. But we mentioned this on the onset of this episode that self-control is found in the Christian graces when Peter reads that, or when Peter writes that by inspiration. Add to your faith. Faith is the building block. It's where it starts. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans ten seventeen. Build off of that faith. Add to your faith virtue. Add to your virtue knowledge. And to that knowledge, you add self-control. And so we learn how to practice self-control from the knowledge we gain from the Word of God. And with that, self-control brings about perseverance, the endurance that you need to weather the storm, to get through difficult times. And with that comes godliness or God-likeness. And from godliness, we have brotherly kindness, and from brotherly kindness, we have love. Peter says, if these things are in you and abound, you will not be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus Christ. So make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fall. I love that that text. I love that passage of Scripture. Again, that's 2 Peter 1, 5 through 11. Notice that in reference to self-control and really the fruit of the Spirit in general. You piece all these things together and you will not be unfruitful. 
You piece all these things together and you continue to strive to practice self-control and all these other things. And you can make your calling and election sure. You will never fall. You will be who God wants you to be if you can constantly practice these things in your life. And so certainly in context of weathering the storm, we must practice self-control. So noticing Paul as an example and Peter as an example, we look at a third and final example, the greatest example of one who practiced self-control. And yes, that was Jesus Christ. One of the moments in his life, and really early on in his life, uh, regarding his beginning of ministry, was when Satan tempted him in the wilderness. You may recall in Matthew chapter 3 that Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And so he's at the highest point spiritually. But then very quickly, he's at the lowest point physically. That's Matthew chapter 4. I find it so interesting that in Matthew 3, you have all of this going on. In Matthew 4, he's all by himself. And he's out here in the wilderness. He's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, which that would have taken great self-control in and of itself. But think about how Satan tempted him. He said, listen, I know you're hungry. Why don't you cast those stones into bread? Now, Jesus had the ability to do that. There's no doubt. I mean, he's the one who made those stones. So certainly he could have turned those stones into bread and he could have satisfied that desire, but he practiced self-control. How did he fight off the devil? It is written. He said that three times. He quoted scripture. That's how he was able to fight him off. And there's a great lesson for us today as well as we practice self-control. But, you know, he, he alluded to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and pride of life. That's what Satan did. That's what Satan does today through his influence. 1 John two fifteen and 16. But Jesus was able to practice self-control, and he was able to fight it off. And that's the perfect lesson, perfect example for us to follow. In fact, as you think about suffering and, and weathering the storm, Jesus is that example. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23. That we are to follow in Jesus' steps. And that's in the context of suffering. That's in the context of going through a difficult time. We are to practice self-control the way that he did. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. You know how much self-control that must have taken? When they reviled him, when they blasphemed him, when they told him, you're not who you claim to be? He could have, he could have ended it right then. When they came to arrest him in the garden, he could have called those legions of angels. But he practiced self-control, and that shows a great, great strength. You think about the storms that he faced, and even though they were great, even greater was his self-control. And so as we bring this episode to a close, let's, let's think about some application. I want to share with you two reasons why I believe we must have self-control if we want to weather the storms of life successfully. Number one, we must apply self-control to our lives to abstain, to abstain. The word abstain carries the idea of avoiding at all cost. We are to abstain from the evil and the sin that is all around us. And this world lies in wickedness, as John tells us. Peter says to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, 1 Peter 2.11. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, we read that we are to abstain from every appearance of evil. And so we must apply self-control to our lives so we can abstain. But second, we are to apply self-control to our lives that we may attain, attain the crown of life. If we're going to fight the good fight, 
if we're going to finish the course, if we're going to keep the faith, then we must apply self-control to our lives. James says, Blessed are those who endure temptation. When he is tried, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord, the righteous judge, has promised. To those that love him, James 1.12, that's going to take self-control. And of course, Revelation 2.10, those who are faithful unto, even in the face of death, will receive a crown of life. That's going to require great self-control. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In essence, they practice self-control every single day. Galatians 5, verse 24. Those who follow Jesus are to pick up their cross daily and follow Him. Luke 9, 23. That takes self-control. And as we close, I want to, I want to read Romans 6, 11 through 18. And as we read this, let's think about what we've discussed in this episode of practicing self-control and why it's so important to do that in, in reference to weathering the storms of life. The Apostle Paul, writing to the brethren at Rome, says, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became the slaves of righteousness. Dear friend, I hope that this episode will help you practice self-control. That you can be who God wants you to be. That you can face the storms of life with confidence. Knowing that you will be able to stand that test. You'll be able to stand strong in the midst of the storm. Because you're able to practice self-control. I hope and pray that this series has been helpful as we've looked at the fruit of the Spirit. And I hope and pray that we can all apply these things to our lives, all to the glory of God. Thank you so much for listening, and may God bless you as you weather the storm. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.